This is I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. The following is a recent Sunday morning message given by Pastor Robert Brown. All right. I'm going to ask for you to turn with me to Galatians 1 and 6. Or if you don't have your Bibles with you, it is on your screen. Amen. Galatians 1 and 6. What's happening here? What's happening here is that Paul, the Apostle Paul, the last apostle, heard that there was um, heresies going on. Heresy is a false teaching. What was happening was that he had ministered to this church at Galatia. And after his departure, there were those that came in and told the Galatians that in order to be a true Christian, you have to first convert to Judaism or become a Jew in religion and then become a Christian. And Paul was combating that false teaching because Jesus never taught that. All right. So with that understanding, let's read our scripture. Amen. And Paul says to the church at Galatia, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So he's saying to them, I'm, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm, it makes me wonder how you were so soon um, trans, uh, transposed or, 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 or uh, uh, taken to another uh, gospel. And we know there is no other gospel. All right. It says him that called you. So we've been called into the grace of Christ. As Christians, we've been called, summoned into the grace of Christ. So with this understanding and, and, and with this scripture, amen, we move forward. And our title this week is Law Verse Grace. Law Verse Grace. Amen. So won't you join me as I pray hallelujah over our service today. Father God, we come before you in the matchless name of Jesus. We thank you and praise you and bless you because you do all things well. We thank you for today. We thank you for this service. We pray that you draw everyone that you've ordained to be to this online service today. Draw them to their laptops, their computers, their tablets, their phones, or whatever internet-connected device, Lord God, that they have in the name of Jesus, that they might hear a word about your son, Jesus Christ, have your way, Lord God. Heal today, deliver the day, set free today, save today, sanctify and fill with your Holy Spirit, and set us right on our, in our understanding of law versus grace. We thank you today. We praise you. Let this service be anointed, Lord God. I decrease that you might increase in me, Lord God. You are the preacher, you are the t teacher. Preach today through me. Feed your people. In Jesus' name, somebody say, Amen. All right. Law versus grace. What's going on here today? All right. So here's a question. What is the law? Are we talking about the laws of the U.S.? Uh, the laws of New York State? What, what, is, what is the law? What are we talking about here? All right. Turn to with me or look on your screen. Amen. We have 2 Corinthians 3 and 7. All right, this is the Apostle Paul again. He's the most prolific writer of the New Testament. He wrote 13 and some believe 14 books out of the 27 books of the New Testament. All right, 
So what is he saying here? Amen. Uh, he's talking to the church at Corinth. And he says, but if the ministration of death or the ministry of death written and engraven in stone. So what, what, what piece of writing do we know that is written and engraved on stone? It is the Ten Commandments. So he says, if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious, so it was glorious, gave God glory, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. So now we, we, we see that it's written engraven in stone and Moses involved and the children of Israel. So we're talking about the Ten Commandments. For the glory of his countenance, so it was a glory coming off of Moses' face that the children of Israel could not beho steadfastly behold his face, which glory was, be, was to be done away. Now, this instance is from Exodus 34 and 30, amen, when Moses came down from the, the uh, Mount Sinai with the second set of the Ten Commandments. All right, he broke the first set because he saw the Israelites in sin. They had the molden uh, calf, uh, the golden um, molten calf that they had made, and he broke those first set of Ten Commandments, all right? And that's symbolic of that God knew that the law would not work with the children of Israel. It was the first covenant being broken, all right? But needless to say, Moses went back up on Mount Sinai. He was summoned by God. Um, got a new set of tablets. And when he came down from the mountain this time, the glory of God had um, uh, changed his appearance. That the, there, was, there was glory coming off of his face, so much so that the children of Israel could not uh, look on him without turning away. All right. So this is, this is um, emphasizing there was a glory with the law. All right. There was something wonderful about it. All right. Glory to God. Let's move on. And here are the Ten Commandments. All right. Now, they are written in a way in a modern day English for us to better for us to better understand them. But let me read these Ten Commandments to you. So the first set here, the first four are um, things that um, God wants us not to do against him. All right. So. First one is do not worship any other gods. Two is do not make any idols. Three is do not misuse the name of God. And four is keep the Sabbath holy. All right. Now, five through ten is our relationship between man and man. One through four is between God and man. Now, five through ten is between man and man. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. Those are the Ten Commandments in the modern day English for our better understanding. All right. So let me say this to you. The law is holy. It's just and it's good, but it does not have the ability to redeem or transform the heart of mankind from a state of sinfulness to a state of righteousness. It doesn't have that ability. It's like do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. Telling someone to do not does not transform them, all right? Hallelujah. But it, it informs you of what is right and wrong. Its purpose was to show man his sinfulness. What's the purpose of the law? To show man his sinfulness and need for a savior. Amen? 
with me so far? Amen. We're just getting started. Amen. We, we're answering what is the law? All right. So what's the purpose of the law? All right. Our message today is law versus grace. What's the purpose of the law? What's the purpose of the Ten Commandments and the other 613 laws that are rooted in the first 10 that, that are sourced from the first 10? All right. Galatians 3.24, as we have before us, it reads, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. This is Paul speaking again. Now we're back in Galatians. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Justified means made righteous or gain God's approval or be in right standing with God by faith. All right, we have a word here at the bottom. I have a definition for you. Schoolmaster. What is it? the law? It says the law was our schoolmaster. Let's look at this word. Amen. It is a Greek word because we're coming out of Galatians, which is in the New Testament, and it is pronounced pehidaogos. And properly, it's a legal appointed. Uh, what it was during that time was a legally appointed overseer authorized to train or bring up a child by administering discipline, chastisement. And instruction. So in the ancient world, uh, those of means or those that had money would have their uh, sons uh, assigned uh, a person that would oversee their behavior and their development and their discipline and would correct them and instruct them. All right. This person was a slave that was given to do that. All right. This is what Paul is comparing the schoolmaster or he says the law was our schoolmaster. So he's saying the law was appointed to train us or administer uh, 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 discipline and chastisement and instruction to us. Also, it's uh, this this pahidaogos, excuse my Greek, amen. Also is preparing the soul from a New Testament standpoint. Amen. It means preparing the soul for Christ because those that have learned by experience with the law that they are not and cannot be commended to God by their works. Welcome the more eagerly the hope of salvation offered them through the death and resurrection of Christ, the son of God. So in a nutshell, the law was placed there in, our, in, in man's life temporarily. Amen. To bring us to Christ that we might be justified or in right standing or made righteous or in a right relationship with God by faith. Somebody say hallelujah. All right, let's move on. Galatians 3:25. But after faith has come, so we're justified by faith. Now, he's he's making a, his closing point, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So after we come to God through Christ by faith, we are no longer under the schoolmaster, which Paul compared to the law. So when we come to God by faith through Jesus Christ, we are no longer under the law. Let me say this to you Christians. We are no longer under the law. Matter of fact, as Christians, we never were. Israelites were. As Christians, we are no longer under the law. Hallelujah. Let that sink in. We're not under the Ten Commandments. They are holy. 
They are just, they are good, but they can transform the heart of man and redeem him and bring him to God. All right, let's move on. All right, so the law as evidenced in 2 Corinthians 3 and 7. So we, we 2 Corinthians 3 and 7 told us that the ministration of death or the ministry of death, which Paul compares to the law, amen, hallelujah, is how we came to conclude that, is the Ten Commandments. As referred to in scholarly, scholarly circles, it is God's moral code. So the Ten Commandments, what we read earlier, are God's moral code. Moral being knowing the difference between right and wrong. God knows the difference between right and wrong. All right. So his, his code for understanding right and wrong is the Ten Commandments. All right which is God's inflexible standard for holy living for mankind. So um, with the law, if you don't follow it perfectly, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for your entire life, you are guilty of breaking the law. You have to be perfect. God is perfect. Is it? He said, be ye perfect as I am perfect. Amen. That was God's attempt to bring man to the end of himself to realize that he needed a savior. And the only way we can become perfect is through Jesus Christ. Amen. He kept the law perfectly. He fulfilled the law on our behalf. Amen. Let me not get off subject too quick here. Hallelujah. So unfortunately, mankind being in a fallen state. So man is fallen. The world is fallen is unable to live perfectly according to God's moral standard. Man's inability to live according to the Ten Commandments was intended to lead him to despair, longing for someone to save him. This is the purpose of the law. God's ultimate purpose of the law was for it to lead mankind to Christ and a reconciled or renewed relationship with Father God. That was the true purpose of the law somebody say hallelujah thank you lord we're headed somewhere i'm uh, we, we're, we're teaching doctrine today the holy spirit teaching doctrine through me today that we as modern day christians can understand our christian foundation amen we and let me speak for myself i have had trouble in my christian walk before i had a full understanding of this law verse grace uh, doctrine in the Bible. Amen. So God wants me to share this with you today so that we have a proper understanding of where we are in our Christian walk and how we are viewed by God. All right. What is grace? We talked about law. We talked about it's the Ten Commandments. It's God's inflexible standard. It's its moral code. We said that from Galatians 3.24 that um, the law could not justify us, but we are justified by faith in, uh, in Jesus Christ. Amen. But what is grace? What is grace? What is this charis? It's called in the New Testament and the Greek charis. All right. We're coming out of John 1.17, Amplified Version. This is uh, the words of John the Elder, who was one of the 12 apostles. He wrote, the Gospel of John, he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelations, right? So pro he's also a prolific writer in the New Testament. He referred to himself as the apostle 
uh, or uh, the, the one who Jesus loved. Amen. He knew he was loved by Jesus. And I believe that this is why he lived the longest. All right. All right. Here we go. It reads for the law was given through Moses. So we talked about in second Corinthians three and seven, how uh, the law was associated with Moses. So for the law was given through Moses, but grace what is grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth. Notice how grace and truth go together came through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. All right. Hallelujah. He was saying it's not through the Lord. It's through me. I'm the way, the truth and the life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given, but grace came. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's move on. Saints, we are saved by grace. We are saved by grace. Let's look at it. Ephesians 2 and 8, also the amplified version. This is Paul again talking to the church in Ephesus. This is a church that, the, uh, that Timothy would eventually pastor. And it reads, for it is by grace, what is grace? God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ. So we talked about from um, John 1.17 that grace was unearned, undeserved favor. Now we learn that in addition to that, it's God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ. So God drew us to Christ. This is grace that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life. As a Christian, we have been delivered from judgment and we have been given eternal life. We do not need to fear judgment day because Hallelujah. Christ saved us. Amen. Hallelujah. And has washed us with his own blood. Hallelujah. And as you've heard me say, many of you that have been with us. Amen. The main clause of the New Testament is uh, Hebrews 8 and 12. It says, I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities. Will I remember no more? God will does not remember your sins and iniquities anymore. We have no reason to fear judgment day because we have been washed, cleansed and justified by faith in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And he sees us now as perfect through Christ. Hallelujah. We will not be judged. We've been delivered from judgment somebody say hallelujah and we have been given eternal life begins now our spirits will live forever these bodies will dissolve decay but our spirits will live forever with the lord hallelujah and he lives inside of us right now by way of the holy spirit hallelujah let me back up a little bit let me read the let me read it again. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ. That's an, an additional meaning to grace that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith, through leaning on, depending on looking to Christ. 
And this salvation is not of yourselves. It's not something you, you, you did a lot of works to achieve. Not through your own effort. But it is undeserved and gracious gift of God to your, your deliverance from judgment and your gift of eternal life is not through your own efforts. It is the gracious gift of God. This is grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Whew. This is the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. It's not through our self-efforts. It's through Christ's efforts that we are saved. It is a gift. It is not something to be earned. This is the difference between us and secularism. Amen. The world, we have to work to earn our way and earn respect and earn uh, a living and earn all these things. Amen. It's a gift of God, our salvation. Amen. And even as like I was talking about last week, amen, Jesus died to destroy poverty when he put that crown on his head of thorns. Amen. He was he was defeating poverty. Amen. Hallelujah. On our behalf that we have opportunity to receive the fullness of God. Amen. Into our lives. Amen. Let's move on. Verse nine says, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law. It's not in our attempts to keep the Ten Commandments and the 613 other laws that are rooted in the Ten Commandments. It's not in our good works or our self-efforts that we are saved. So that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way. And as Christians, a lot of times we try to, we, we boast how long we fasted. We, we boast how many people we've gotten saved. Amen. We, we, we boast about how holy we are. Hallelujah. It's not in our self-efforts. It's in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And when we do those things, we boast in our own efforts. We are just like every other religion in the world. And we take the credit from Christ and put it on us. I am holy. That's not Christianity. That's something else. That's another gospel. No one, no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. I've been saved for over 30 years, but it's the grace of God that I've been saved for 30 years. It has nothing to do with Robert Brown and everything to do with Jesus. Amen. Let's move on. So grace is the undeserved the unearned um, favor of God is God's compassion drawing us to Christ. Amen. All right. So hallelujah. As I have before you here, grace is the undeserved, unearned and unmerited favor or act of kindness. Favors act of kindness is generosity is approval of God sent by God for man's benefit in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. Christ is the person of grace. Grace is because of him. It flows through him. He in he is the source of grace. Hallelujah. The purpose of grace is to make way for the legal payment or redemption for man's sins. So man's sins are paid for through Christ as well as restore man to right relationship with God 
both of which were accomplished by the life, ministry, death, resurrection, and appearance of Christ. So Jesus is the person of grace. So grace is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God, the act of kindness, the generosity, the approval of God through Jesus Christ, who is God the Son. God put on flesh and came to save us, to rescue us from our sins. This is grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We certainly didn't merit it. It is God's undeserved favor through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So law, what is law? It's, the, it's God's moral standard. Grace is God's act of kindness, generosity to rescue mankind who believes in his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God who could not rescue himself. The law was meant to bring us to despair to the end of our own self efforts to gain God's approval and show us that we needed a savior. Grace is the fulfillment of that savior coming on the scene, on the earthly scene and rescuing believing mankind from their sins and eternal judgment and giving us eternal life. Somebody say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, there is something that is going on, and I grew up in it in the church, and maybe you grew up in it in church, and Jesus was against it, and it's called mixture. Jesus was against the mixing of law and grace. You know, one of the reasons I was so confused between law and grace is because the teachings that I was used to and accustomed to as I was growing as a Christian were mixed. They would tell me to do good and get good, do bad, get bad. Grace would run out. Um, grace wasn't enough to save me. And I'm not beating up my teachers, the, the, the books I read, the, the, the church services I've been in. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it was a bigger issue than them. It, 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 it's pervasive in the modern church where we don't understand the distinction between law and grace. All right. Jesus set it forth and said he didn't want any mixture of law and grace. Amen. Now, thank God that I'm able to share this with you today. Amen. That you can be uh, given a clear understanding uh, the distinction between law and grace and that they are not to be mixed. What did Jesus say? All right. This is Matthew 9, 16. Amen. The Pharisees and scribes, the religious leaders of the day, were asking him, why didn't his disciples fast? And here is his response. He says, no man putteth a piece of new cloth onto an old garment. For that which is put in to fill it up, take it from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Rent, meaning the tear, is made worse. So here he is comparing lawn grace to a grace being the new cloth and old garment being uh, the law. All right. Hallelujah. And he's saying you can't put grace to patch up the law. Uh, the, the tear 
the the error will be made worse let's let's read verse 17 and i'm going to give you even clearer understanding as we go to our next slide hallelujah neither do men put new wine into old bottles now the bottles of their day were were animal skins that were sewn together and um they drank wine from those uh manufactured animal skins during the in the ancient world says else so neither do men put new wine into old bottles else the bottles break so they would leak if you put new wine into the old wine skins that had been dried up they would leak the wine out and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish but the but they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved Brother Pastor, what are you talking about? All these things are confusing to me. And yes, I'm with you. I, and when I used to read this uh, as a young Christian, I didn't understand it as well. But let's break it down. All right. The symbolism of Matthew 9, 16 and 17. So the new cloth that Jesus was talking about or, and, and also the new wine in verse 17 is the love and favor of God or grace. So the new cloth is grace. New wine is grace. It's also the gospel or the new covenant. All these things are tied together. All these things go together. So Jesus was talking about the, the grace, the gospel, and ultimately the new covenant that God would make through, with man through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Could not be put on an old garment or in an old bottle. All right, now the old garment or the old bottle are the, the scribes and Pharisees, which mean the natural men, men that were uh, tied to the old covenant tradition of self-righteousness by way of the law. Uh, I also spoke about the animal skins from a little st literal standpoint what the bottles were. So the new bottles equal sinners whom God calls by his grace and the Holy Spirit regenerates and renews in Christ. So to put it all together, the message of grace could not be received by the scribes and Pharisees because they were so tied to trying to become righteous by self-efforts of keeping the law. So the new bottles or being the sinners that the Pharisees and scribes looked down upon were the ones that were open to receiving this grace because they knew they could not keep the law and they were looked down upon by those in the upper ranks of society. All right. So in a nutshell, law and grace do not mix. They do not mix. Jesus was using the analogies he did because it would make sense in the mind of the ancient Israelites he was speaking to. All right. So you can't put the new message of grace in someone that is so staunch about becoming righteous by their works. It would take someone humble enough. That's why Jesus says in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, that blessed are the poor in spirit or those who are not so arrogant in their mindset and efforts that they can get to heaven or gain God's approval through their own self-efforts to be righteous. All right. The new bottles or people like you and I, we are saved by his grace. Amen. We don't deserve it, but he gave it to us as a gift. Amen. 
Hallelujah. So there's no mixing of law and grace. So the mixing of law and grace are dangerous and will lead to error in a believer's walk with Christ. Christ never intended for the law and grace to be mixed. A proper understanding of the means, grace, or New Testament by which God operates towards mankind in these current times will lead to freedom from the condemnation of the law and the opportunity to walk in God's liberty, forgiveness, under grace. Hallelujah. Condemnation does not transform people. It, matter of fact, it is a form of abuse. It will hinder people. Matter of fact, it will cause people to run out and want to sin all the more. Pastor Brown's for, Pastor Brown's against sin. He's for righteousness. God's against sin. He's for righteousness, but his way to do it is through grace. Amen. The Jews were under the law for 1,500 years before Christ. And the law ended in Malachi with no resolution to man's sin problem. Matter of fact, the original people of God, the Jews, are still waiting for their Messiah. And they are still engaging in acts of self-righteousness in order to gain God's approval. Many in the Christian world are still engaging in acts of self-righteousness in order to gain God's approval with a lack of understanding of what Christ did at the cross. Some of you are struggling because of your foundational teaching as a younger Christian. You're struggling because you are still trying to gain God's approval through the acts of the law, through self-righteousness. The only human being that ever kept the law perfectly was the God-man, Jesus Christ, and he did it for you and me. Somebody say hallelujah. He said he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, and he did fulfill it for you and I. I want to let you know that we're no, we're no longer under law, but, but grace. We're no longer under law, but grace. Let's turn to Romans 6. I mean, excuse me. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 56, New Living Translation. This one may shake you up a little bit, so hold, hold on. It says, for, the, for sin is the sting that results in death. Like the King James Version says, the sting of uh, the, the sting of death is sin. But to give you a better understanding, it says, for sin is the sting, think of a bee that stings you, that results in death. So sin's sting results in death. And the law gives sin its power. I didn't write this. The Apostle Paul wrote this thousands of years ago. The King James says the strength of sin is the law. The law gives sin its power. Now how can something that is holy, just, and good give sin its power? If you see a sign that says do not break this glass, that would be a law. But because man has fallen, we would be tempted, and many would act out on it, to break the glass 
just because we were told not to. The carnal mind is at enmity against God or it cannot submit to God. It is carnal. It is unspiritual. It is earthly. It is sinful. So the law cannot transform us. It can only, it's like a mirror that shows us ourselves. Oh my God, I'm sinful. I need a savior. I need help. The strength of sin is the Lord. This, this was not God's intention, but this is a result of, hallelujah, uh, Adam's choice to live independent of God. All right. The law gives sin its power. It's not the Lord's intent, but this is a result. Man's the weak link. Man can't keep the law and thus it empowers us. Uh, and I hate to use this analogy, but how many of you were and you had knowledge of this. You had maybe some Christian grandma or a mother or grandfather or whoever who told you, you better not go have sex before marriage. And that law, although what they told you was right, it empowered you because your sin nature could not keep the law. It, it, it provoked you to go and have sex before marriage. The strength of sin is the law. The law gives sin its power. It's not God's intent, but it's a result of man's fallen state. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's move on. Romans 614. This is where I was trying to get to before. It says uh, this is Paul speaking to the church in Rome. He says, for sin will no longer be a master over you. So hallelujah. How is sin not a master over us? Since you are not under the law as slaves, sin is our master when we're under the law. Some of these holiness churches that you and I know about, there's so much sin going on in these holiness churches. Because they don't have an understanding that when you're under the law, with a fallen nature, your nature is your will, your intellect, and your emotions. It's your personality. It's your soul. What do I mean fallen? That is less than what God created it to be. That is, 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 it has been infected and introduced by sin. We... When we are in that state, which every man, man was before your salvation, you, hallelujah, the law is your master. For sin will no longer be a master over you since you are not under the law. So if you reverse that, if you're under the law, sin's your master. Why won't it, have, why won't it be your master? but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. So under grace, sin is no longer your master. So if sin is your master, there is some belief system in you. There, there, there's some holdup where you still are under the law. You have placed yourself under the law. You've been influenced to still be under the law. A lot of times as Christians, we're more sin conscious than we're Christ conscious. If I'm focused on Christ, I'm not thinking about sin. If I'm focused on sin and not doing it, then I'm focused on sin and I'm not focused on Christ. Let me say this again. God is against sin. God hates sin. 
Pastor Brown is against sin. I hate sin. But the pathway to be free from sin and not allow it to be your master is through grace. Somebody say hallelujah. I know this is hard for many of us to take, amen, but this is the word. This is, these are not my ideas. I grew up in the church trying to keep the law. And the law led me down a path where I felt like I failed God. I messed up because I moved to Texas to try to start a church and it didn't work out. And I failed God. And I thought it was time for me to die. But God, through his grace, rescued me from those suicidal thoughts and introduced me to his grace. So in essence, I did die. I died to the law. I died to mixture and I was awakened to grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Law and grace compared and contrasted. Amen. As we come close to the conclusion of our message today. Amen. I hope you got something out of this. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The difference between law and grace. Amen. Under law, the focus is bondage and obligation. You're obligated to fast twice a week. You're obligated to pray three times a day. You're obligated to thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. You're, you're in bondage. Religion means bondage. You believe you're free, but you're really in bondage. That's the focus. Amen. Hallelujah. Any activity where you punish yourself in order to gain God's approval is bondage. I fast because I spend time with God and I'm focused on him and I'm not focused on food. When we place the focus on the food, we're not focused on God. We place it on the food because we're trying to gain. See, Lord, I'm denying myself of food and I'm suffering in order to gain your approval. That is not fasting in the right manner. When I am focused on him and my time and my attention is just taken by him because I'm just receiving from him. I love him. Amen. Then I'm not focused on food. And as a result, I fast. It's a grace fast as opposed to a law fast. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What's your focus? Amen. Hallelujah. The disciples were focused on spending time with Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were asking, why won't your uh, your followers fast. He said, I'm here. Why do they need to fast if I'm right here? Why do they need to suffer? Why do they need to deny themselves when I came for them by way of grace? I'm here. And they don't need to suffer to gain my approval. Hallelujah. Let's look at the focus for grace. It's release from freedom. Freedom from what? From the law. From sin. Let's look at motivation. The motivation of the law is fear, rejection, and condemnation. These three were what motivated me before I came into an understanding of grace as a Christian. I was under fear for my past sins and even things that I had messed up with as a younger Christian. I was 
would feel rejection from God, that he's going to reject me, doesn't hear me. I remember one time praying to God and yelling at him, and I, I, I couldn't hear him for three days. I felt rejected. I was under the law and condemnation. Can't tell you how many lines of repentance I got on as a younger Christian. That's not, to mean, that's not to say that we as Christians aren't to change our minds about things and could say, okay, God, I understand the error of my ways. I'm following you now in, in, in your fullness. But we're not to be under condemnation. You'll never be anything. You have just forfeited your salvation. Now, how, how can I lose eternal life? If you can lose eternal life, then eternal life is not eternal. It was temporal life. My God. What's the motivation under grace? Forgiveness. I'm forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and future. Acceptance. He accepts me as I am. And reconciliation. I have a renewed relationship with my heavenly father through Jesus Christ and have the spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit live inside me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Which one do you want? Have one more for you. All right. Law and grace, contrast and comparison. What's the governing principle? No, well, let's start with wh who is the steward of the law? It was Moses. Who's the steward of grace? It's Christ. Who's God and who was a servant of God? Christ is God, the son. Moses was a great servant of God. What's the governing principle of law and the governing principle of grace? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, law is the governing, uh, is the governing principle of under Moses and grace is the governing principle under grace. Who works? Whose works are you depending on? Under the law, you're depending on your good works. Um, I don't know about you, but I've not met any human being on earth right now that is perfect. And the law, according to James, uh, I believe it's 218, that if you break the law one time in your life, you let's say you kept it perfect every day except for one moment in time you're guilty of all the law so who the, so the whose works are you depending on under the law your own whose works are we depending on under grace christ's he lived perfectly he didn't have a sin nature he didn't have a natural father to pass on the sin nature he had a heavenly father and an earthly mother he was sinless. He didn't have to contend with the sin nature. All right. Hallelujah. Or a personality or soul that has been heavily influenced and infected by sin. People group. The law was for the Israelites. Grace is for the church. Now, Israelites can become the church through belief in Jesus Christ. But the church is made up of everyone and anyone that accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior and the payment of their sins. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Baptism. We, hallelujah. Under the law, you're baptized into Moses and his teachings. God gave them these teachings, but they were temporary teachings. All right. Hallelujah. They will be fulfilled through Christ. 
Baptism into Christ. As a Christian, we're baptized into Christ or we're immersed into Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ministry characteristics. The law, if not kept, led to death and condemnation. Under grace, there's only the spirit and righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He became sin. Who he? Christ became the sin offering. And we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He was our scapegoat. He took the penalty for our sins. We took the benefit of his righteousness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Nature of blessings. Under law, it's conditional. It's earthly. If you do this, then you'll get that. Under grace, it's unconditional. These blessings cannot be changed, cannot be forfeited, cannot be lost. They are unconditional. Well, Brother Pastor, they say that there'd be a great falling away from the church in the end times. Listen, it is my belief if you fall away from church, then you were someone who was Christian with uh, from the outside that you presented yourself as Christian, but your heart was never sincerely given to Christ. And there are people like that. Now, as a human being, I can't tell who they are. God knows the hearts and minds of people. Hallelujah. But this is an unconditional promise and walk with God that can't be lost for those who have truly and sincerely given their hearts to God only ones that know that is between that individual and God. It's not for me to determine. It's not for you to determine either. Earthly difficulties. Curses for disease under the law. Remember the children of Israel being bit by snakes? God had M Moses make that, um, that pole with the snake on it. That represented Jesus. How did a pole with snake on it represent Jesus? Uh, a snake represents judgment or a curse. Jesus hung on the tree and became a curse for us. Hallelujah. He hung on the cross and became a curse for us and brought about our healing as Christians as the pole with the snake around it brought about healing for the children of Israel in the Old Testament. So curses are under the law. Growth or discipline is under grace. We grow in grace. We are strengthened through grace. We learn how to live through right believing it, through grace. Amen. Hallelujah. So that those things that tempt us before no longer do because we have something so much greater under grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me conclude with this. Amen. Jesus is the person through which Father God offers salvation and reconciliation. Reconciliation means a reconnection or a, a new relationship with God to mankind by way of his grace. So we have salvation, a new relationship with God through grace. Mankind represented by the Israelites in scripture. The Israelites just really represent all of mankind. They were God's people, yes, but they were human beings just like you and I. So they represent mankind in scripture. Amen is no longer under the law, which was a temporary means to govern the behavior of God's people. It was a schoolmaster, as I told you before. Those that put their trust in Jesus Christ are under grace, the unearned, the undeserved, the unmerited favor of God, where he, with compassion, draws you to his son, Jesus Christ, and have the law 
of God put in their hearts and written in their minds. Uh, this is done by way of the Holy Spirit, that he leads us and guides us unto all truth. The Holy Spirit is not going to violate the law. Amen. God's moral standard. Amen. So he will only lead us and guide us into holy things. He's the Holy Spirit. So when you're being led by the Spirit, you're not sinning. When you're being led by the Spirit. So we got to understand what spirits are leading us. Amen. Hallelujah. Anything that lines up with the word is the spirit. And proper interpretation of the word. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 16. Okay, that's where I'm, my reference. Under grace, it is not man's self-efforts to keep the Lord that, that attempt to justify him. And grant him God's approval. But the finished efforts of Christ at the cross, trusted in by man that places mankind in right relationship with God and leads to eternal life with him forever. Amen. So the approach of God to win the hearts and minds of God back to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, is by way of grace. Many of you are like me. You, as you grew up in Christ, were taught a mixture of law and grace. There was not a right dividing of truth between the old covenant and the new. The old covenant is really a narrative of, for the most part, the children of Israel who represent us and all that they went through as the people of God. And they had their difficulties. And we have our difficulties as fellow human beings like them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But it's in the New Testament where God's solution to sin is unveiled in the person of Jesus Christ. And the life that God ultimately wanted for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's through grace. Amen. This is not a license to sin. This is not a license to just do whatever you want to do. But it's a license to be free from the demands of the law, to fall in love with your Savior all over again, to allow his spirit and his word to lead you and guide you into all truth and to live more free than you've ever lived before under mixture or under the harsh demands of the law. Amen. Hallelujah. A lot of the New Testament and its dictates or its imperatives are vague in that God wasn't remaking the law in the New Testament. Amen. Hallelujah. So you may see I had to do a few weeks ago a baby dedication. Amen. Matter of fact, it was last Saturday. Amen. There's no law on how I had to do it. Amen. But there was a leading of the Holy Spirit and there were guidelines of the word of things I should do. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So under grace, it is the word and the spirit that lead us and guide us into God's truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Law versus grace. Amen. Our conclusion is grace is greater than the law. And we see that even with the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat or the grace seat is on top and the Ten Commandments are inside beneath. Grace is greater than the law. I'm done. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Friends, if you are impacted by this message about Jesus Christ and want to receive his love and forgiveness, say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Please forgive me of all sins, transgressions, and iniquities. I believe you died to pay the penalty for all my sins, past, present, and future. I believe you rose from the dead as the evidence that Father God accepted your sacrifice for my sins. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you said that prayer sincerely, you are saved and one day going to heaven. So God bless you. God loves you. And go on with the Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us at I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. We hope the message blessed you and unveiled the love of Christ to you in a greater way. God bless.